It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. On this day in 1934, legendary bank robber John Dillinger underwent facial reconstructive surgery to change his appearance. He hoped that a new look would allow him to continue eluding the FBI, which was conducting a massive cross-country manhunt for the famous criminal. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Richard Rossner. Hello, Today in True Crime listeners. ParCast fans might recognize Richard's voice from the ParCast original, Dictators, where he and his co-host Kate tell the stories of history's tyrants and despots. He's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story, while I'll cover the narrative. Thanks, Vanessa. I'm excited to dive into this moment from the life of America's most legendary bank robber. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Now let's go back to the evening of May 27th to a small Chicago apartment. Dr. Harold Cassidy drew back the plunger of the syringe and watched the liquid ether fill the barrel. It was mechanical, a task he'd done countless times, but nothing else about the operation was normal. The tiny apartment bedroom was a far cry from the sterling operation room he was used to. The lights were far too dim, and the cleanest surface he'd been able to find was a nightstand. He'd never worked in such conditions. But then he'd never operated on a wanted criminal either. Across the room, the spectacled Dr. Wilhelm Lucer was directing their patient into the bed. It would serve as an operating table. Once the man was comfortable, Lucer instructed Cassidy to administer the anesthetic and left to wash his hands. As Dr. Cassidy injected the syringe and pushed down the plunger, he looked down at his patient. They had only met yesterday, but Cassidy had known him at a glance. He was John Dillinger, the most wanted man in America. The man who had escaped from jail twice, who had robbed at least 12 banks and two police stations from South Carolina to Indiana. For the past year, Dillinger's face had been inescapable, plastered on wanted posters and across the front pages of newspapers. And that was precisely the problem. By now, almost any man or woman in America could probably recognize his high hairline with its sharp widow's peak, the deep cleft in his chin, the dark eyebrows, and the calculating gray eyes. Eyes that were currently rolling back into his skull. Cassidy frowned. 
Dillinger's skin was turning blue. He wasn't breathing. Seconds later, Dillinger was convulsing violently on the bed. Cassidy shouted for help. Lucer came barreling into the room. The German doctor grabbed a pair of forceps from the nightstand and thrust them into Dillinger's open mouth. At the same time, he put both elbows on the criminal's chest and pushed. A horrible moment passed, and then Dillinger gasped, sucking in air. The spasms passed. His body calmed. Dr. Lucer turned to Cassidy and explained what had happened. They had given the criminal too much anesthetic. Dillinger had almost choked to death on his own tongue. The doctors looked down at their patient, whose skin was finally beginning to return to its normal shade. They had no doubts as to what Dillinger's associates would do to them if their boss died on the table. But there was no time to worry about that now. They had work to do. With Dr. Cassidy's help, Dr. Lucer removed two moles from Dillinger's face, then smoothed out the deep cleft in his chin. To change the shape of Dillinger's face, they would need to round out the cheeks and remove some of the deep seams around his mouth. This involved cutting open the sides of his face and tying back the cheeks while Dr. Lucer implanted tendons taken from a kangaroo. At last, the procedure was complete. The men watched nervously as Dillinger crossed the room to the single mirror hanging on the wall. He stared at his reflection for a long moment, considering his new face. Hell, he exclaimed, I don't look any different than I did. Up next, we'll discuss the results and aftermath of Dillinger's surgery. Now, back to the story. On May 27, 1934, John Dillinger met with associates and two doctors at 2509 North Crawford Avenue in Chicago to begin facial reconstructive surgery. He hoped that altering his appearance would allow him to continue evading law enforcement, as he had for the past year. My guest host, Richard, will take us through the crime spree that preceded Dillinger's surgery and the aftermath that followed. Thanks, Vanessa. John Dillinger's rise to become the most wanted man in America happened very quickly. The interstate bank-robbing spree for which he became famous lasted a little over a year, but it was set in motion by events nearly a decade earlier. In September of 1924, 21-year-old John Dillinger was arrested for holding up a grocery store for $50. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in an Indiana prison. This prison sentence would transform Dillinger from a petty thief to a hardened professional criminal. He fell in with an outfit of seasoned bank robbers, and they immediately began planning heists for when their sentences were up. Dillinger was released on parole in May of 1933, having served nine years in prison. The Great Depression was in full swing, so the chances of a convict like Dillinger finding gainful employment were slim. But by this point, there was only one kind of work Dillinger was interested in. One day after his release, he met up with some associates of the friends he'd made in prison. 
They began robbing grocery stores and restaurants, and by the summer of 1933, had graduated to banks. Dillinger was enjoying his newfound freedom, but he hadn't forgotten his friends on the inside. In September, he had three pistols smuggled into Indiana State Prison inside of a box of supplies. Ten of Dillinger's friends used the weapons to overpower the guards and escape, only to learn that their savior had himself been arrested. The men headed straight to the Lima, Ohio jail where Dillinger was being held. They shot their way in and broke Dillinger out, killing a sheriff in the process. Finally reunited, the Dillinger gang embarked on a bank-robbing spree that took the nation by storm. They planned their heists well, drawing detailed getaway maps. Every gang member knew their role. They were so fearless that on two occasions, they marched into police stations and raided the weapons vaults, taking machine guns, ammunition, and bulletproof vests. J. Edgar Hoover appointed a special force within the Bureau of Investigations to track Dillinger as his gang crisscrossed over state lines. And finally, in January of 1934, they caught up with their mark. But after a little over a month behind bars, he broke out of jail a second time. Dillinger returned to bank robbing mere days after his escape, but he was eager to avoid another arrest. By this point, his celebrity had gotten so out of control that he was always at risk of being spotted. By the spring of 1934, he had struck upon a novel plan. If his recognizable face was putting him at risk, he would just have to change it. Dillinger's lawyers hired a mob affiliate named James Probasco to figure out the details. To perform the procedure, he found Dr. Wilhelm Lucer, a plastic surgeon whose career had been derailed 20 years earlier when he was convicted of dealing narcotics. After a year in prison, Lucer had violated his parole and fled to Mexico. There, he had developed several experimental procedures catering to men who wanted to disappear, including one that involved removing fingerprints with acid. Lucer would be assisted by Dr. Harold Cassidy. Cassidy didn't share Lucer or Dillinger's criminal history, but he was unable to resist the money. All told, the operation would cost Dillinger $5,000, over $90,000 today. It would take several visits to complete everything Dillinger wanted done. After the bank robber almost overdosed on ether during his first visit, the doctors opted to proceed using only local anesthesia. This meant that he was awake and in extreme pain for most of the grueling process. For the last step, the surgeons would conduct the procedure pioneered by Dr. Lucer himself. Using a scalpel, they cut off the outer layer of skin on Dillinger's fingerprints. Then, with Dillinger still fully conscious, they submerged his fingertips in alternating baths of nitric and hydrochloric acid. The smell of chemicals and burning flesh filled the apartment as most of his fingerprints were painstakingly removed. In the end, Dillinger was in agony and less than pleased with how little his appearance had actually changed. But ultimately, 
it wasn't his appearance that gave him away. On July 22, 1934, about a month after his final visit to Dr. Lucer, Dillinger was betrayed by a friend and ambushed by FBI agents outside of Chicago's Biograph Theater. The infamous bank robber was shot in the head from behind and died on the sidewalk. Two days later, Dr. Wilhelm Lucer was arrested in Oak Park, Illinois. While in FBI custody, he was brutally beaten and his nose was smashed. He managed to avoid being prosecuted by agreeing to testify against the men who had hired him, but went to prison anyway for violating his parole. Dr. Cassidy received a year's probation for harboring a fugitive. In 1946, he suffered a nervous breakdown and shot himself in the head in front of members of his family. Today, Dillinger is remembered as one of the most famous and successful bank robbers in American history. His death at the hands of FBI agents legitimized the Bureau in the eyes of many Americans and solidified its reputation as the nation's preeminent criminal investigators. The Bureau reportedly spent upwards of $2 million hunting Dillinger, far more than the 500000 that the Dillinger gang stole during its year on the run. Their many robberies, jailbreaks, and shootouts with police left 10 victims dead and seven others wounded. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again to Richard for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find Dictators on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Dillinger Gang, check out the Female Criminals episodes on Ma Barker. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Kelleher, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 